Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. Hey, what's going on? Another week is upon us. Hope everyone is ready for the holidays because we all know they'll be here sooner than we expect. Uh, Me for sure, because I'm one of those last minute shoppers. So uh, they creep up on me really quick. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to episode 74 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from California as Natalia Flores takes home the weekly honors. Natalia hit 429 with a home run and six RBIs last weekend while competing at the 18U USA Thanksgiving tournament with the OC Batbusters Salmarin team. Great job, Nat. Best of luck going forward. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with former USA men's national team member and recently inducted ASA USA Softball of PA Hall of Famer Bill Hillhouse. Billy has had a fantastic career playing all over the world. He spent eight seasons playing down in New Zealand, one in Australia, and numerous back home in the U.S. In 1993, he became the youngest pitcher to play on the U.S. men's national team and proceeded to win the Most Valuable Pitcher Award at the Pan Am Tournament that same season. During his playing career, he also became an ISC commissioner from 1997 until 2013 and now runs his own pitching instruction called House of Pitching. We're going to talk to Bill about getting a start in the game back in Pennsylvania, what it was like to travel the world at a young age, being named to the U.S. men's national team, and much, much more. Bill was so awesome to chat with us. The guy is an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to our great game. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. Hey, Dick. How are you? Good. How's it going? Good, man. Good. It's funny. We were just talking like, what are we going to talk about? We're still talking. We're still, yeah. We're just, uh, I said, let's freestyle. Weather's uh, a changing. Yes. Getting colder. A little chilly. (laughs) Cold, damp. I think we had 800 milliliters of rain in the last two weeks. See what, see Moncton yesterday? Oh, I know. It's a mess. Oh, I was like, oh, that can stay away. And they just had all that rain too. And then everything freeze. Oh man, it's a mess right now. Yeah. It's, uh, well, talking to, uh. COVID weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Well, no, like uh, when I was talking to, um, Frey, who was I just talking I to? Talking Emma, about. Emma Ansminger there. She lives yeah. out in BC. And, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, talking about all the rain out in, out in BC. And they're pretty much, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're like, 
I, I don't know how to say landlocked because they're they, cut off. They can't ship stuff. I know we're, we're affected with my business yeah, yeah. with uh, getting equipment because it's arrived in BC and yeah. can't get it on a train. Roads and roads and trains are, are, are screwed. And, man, that's crazy. I know. Unreal. I mean, they it's talk scary about, to see that talk stuff. about uh, global warming and, and weather changes. I mean, God it's pretty damn. obvious. God damn COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The old, yeah. When in doubt, blame COVID. Yeah. Now we have that new strain of COVID, the Omicron or Alma something. Oxymoron. Or oxymoron, whatever it is. That's yeah. starting to creep into places. I saw yeah. there was in Quebec and they had a case in Quebec and something in Ontario. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. It's just, I don't know. Never ending. It's, at this point now, I'm just like, well, we're living with it. <laughs> like, yep. yep. We, we are. Yeah. Yep. As long so, as they don't uh, start doing random bum <laughs> checks or that would, for that, a COVID test. That'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Uh, just talking to you there before we start recording. Uh, the boys were out with uh, Brian Gillis there last night. Got, yeah. got a little workout in. I will say, and hats off to Brian, because Brian has really grabbed the reins this year and he wants to become a bona fide pitcher, which yes. he can't. The guy's an oh, incredible right. athlete. Yeah. But he actually, he said to Justin and to Jeff Frazier that, uh, to Schofield, sorry, Schofield, and uh, he wants to work on it and become a bona fide number one, number two, one A, one B, whatever it is for next year. Yeah. Which is huge for us. And but with that being said, he runs a gym. Yeah. So he's got our guys going to the gym. And I saw a couple of videos of them pushing that Scof- freaking sled and holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Guarantee a scope of sweating. Oh, he was, he was sweating <laughs> on the drive there. <laughs> so grateful though. And so yeah. great that Brian's running that for them. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Also uh, shout out to Mark Quinn too. Quinner in, in PEI. So my son is in PEI right now. Yep. And, uh, he called me today and said he, he went and worked out with Quinner last night. Uh, awesome. He helped run a, um, some skills for his girls team that's over there. Jake helped Quinner. Oh, nice. And then afterwards they stayed from nine till 1030 and uh, worked on some defensive plays and also worked on hitting an inside rise. It's excellent drop. Yeah. So hats off to Quinner for doing that for, for yeah, my son. For sure. for one thing for. Thanks a lot, Quinner. Yeah. I love that. Guys yeah. are working at it. So it's good. Absolutely. Actually, back to so. Brian for a sec. I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you know it, all the talents there, like, I mean, the guy's yeah. a natural athlete yeah. and, uh, the, if he like, you know, becomes a like bona fide, <laughs> but he also can hit a ton and he can play any position. Yes. And hit. Yeah. He's crazy. Man. The guy's just, <laughs> well, he's a beast. Hockey player. Here he was a goalie his whole life. And now he's in our gentleman's league, just yeah. racking up points. Like they're going yeah. to the I'm like, yeah. come on, man. I've been playing for my whole life and yeah. I'm like 20 points behind. Yeah. He got in a fight last week over something. Yeah, him and new for getting at it with other guys, brother, at least brothers <laughs> sticking up for each other. And, oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I don't know exactly what happened, but anyway, it's good. Well, anyway, yeah. So yeah, we got, uh, oh, wait, time out. Oh, okay. Shout out happy birthday to my best friend, Lolly. <laughs> As we record this yeah. on Tuesday night. But happy birthday, Lolly. Yes, sir. We do love you, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to, uh, our guest, we're going to yeah. be talking to, uh, Mr. William Hillhouse. Billy Hillhouse. Uh, yeah. actually, as of yesterday, just got inducted to the uh, ASA USA Softball of PA yeah. Hall of Fame, which was great timing. Huge, I guess, for the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, so Big we, uh, congratulations. I'm sure we'll we, talk uh, to him about it. Definitely talk to him about that. But yeah. uh, Billy's played all over the world. And, and you know, he's, he's seen a lot of ball. And I'm sure he has some pretty good stories to, uh, yeah. to tell. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, those are always the, always the best guests to come on to, you know, can tell a good story. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. He's been around and he's played lots and mm-hmm. he's met lots of people and he had Chelsea and Adam Fulcrett lived with him for yeah, two years, couple of years. It's pretty cool stuff. And he got to pitch like pitch side by side with Peter Meredith yeah, for a couple of years. I mean, geez, come man. on, man. Yeah, 
can't wait to, uh, you know, talk about uh, Meredith and find out what he's all about. But yeah. uh, I actually played once against Bill in a tournament in Boston. Oh, yeah. You yeah. mentioned that in the chat before. So yeah. What was that? What was that tournament? I don't even know what it was. I was, uh, Jeff Cameron was playing on a team. He got called to pitch for right. his team from Boston and they needed a shortstop. So they, Jeff asked me if I wanted to go. I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Went down there with, uh, you know, my pants and my gear and <laughs> Brian Urquhart's pants and fat. I can tell the story about that too. But uh, went down. Were they and, tight? Well, they, it wasn't that they were tight. This is, uh, so we played in the field where there were no bathrooms. Okay. Oh. And we were there all day. <laughs> and we were out the night before drinking, of course, because when we got there, the host took us out and just got us annihilated. Like, <laughs> I was like, is this what it's like? This is incredible. So we went to the ball field the next day and uh, I tried to leg out an infield hit across the bag and I sharded my pants. Well, in fact, I sharded Erky's pants. <laughs> yeah, I can remember when we got home, I, said, I told him the story. I said, Erky, I, I shit in your pants. He goes, uh, they're your pants. <laughs> I can't believe I never heard this before. Yeah, it wasn't a fun story. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, okay. I did get to play Bill against Bill down there, but uh, he remembered. I actually mentioned to him in a Facebook messenger, and he said, uh, yeah, that guy that ran that thing was a shyster. <laughs> I thought, was it Pete Porcelli? <laughs> Fuck you, Pete. <laughs> you got that in again, man. I will forever. Oh, freak. Anyway, well, let's get to Billy and see what's going on. Sounds good. Thanks, Erky. All right, here we go. Billy, thanks for coming on the podcast, pal. Hey, my pleasure. I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Oh, awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How's things going down in Omaha today? Uh, well, we're having a little bit of a uptick in the temperatures right now. The It's been like almost uh, 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 your temperature. So it's, it, and it's supposed to continue that way for the next couple of days. So I don't know if that means we're going to get crushed with uh, snow right afterwards, but for the time being, it's pretty good. Shit. I so would nice. love to have that temperature right now. Oh my it's God. Fucking two degrees here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I just saw in Nick Shales's wife's social media that they, yeah. got, they had snow in Ontario. Was, right. Is it snowing up your way? No, we haven't. We haven't. Well, we had a little bit, but it's all gone now. We had snow in New Brunswick this weekend yeah. past, but uh, yeah. we had a little bit of snow on the ground this morning, but then it was all mm. gone. Yeah. 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 Nothing like, nothing like Shales's. They got, they got up there last couple of days. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they get all that lake effect. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, we're we're anticipating it now, so it's yeah. only a matter of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. It's winter. Yeah, fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I actually uh, got to start off by congratulating you on your yes. induction to the ASA USA softball of uh, PA Hall of Fame that got announced yesterday. What uh, come as a surprise or uh... a big surprise? Uh, well, I got the call about uh, about two months ago that that it, it was done and voted on and happening. And I, I didn't know that I was nominated or anything. So it was really a big surprise. And, um, you know, it, it's really kind of neat. And, and I think there's a lot of inductees this year because they had to cancel last year because of COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that, so they, the looked like there's a lot of people going in this year, like 10 or 12. So, you know, congratulations to all of them too. And, and, you know, it, it was a big surprise. So yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. That's fantastic. awesome. That's Congrats. awesome. So the, I actually didn't know. Does softball, does USA softball have uh, like different branches through every state? So yeah, every state has their own. Okay. Um, and then, and then there's a national one as well. 
and um, you know the the requirements and the criteria to be in the national one is is pretty significant. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to make that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the Pennsylvania one is, is still, it's real kind of cool. I mean, like I said, it's to have my name in there with guys like Ty Stofflid and, you know, people like that. I, I just, it's, it's mind boggling to think about. And it's, it's something I, you know, you, you just question whether you really deserve it. You know, when you see other guys' names in there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Quite an honor. It's great. Yeah, for sure. So you obviously, uh, you got your start in Erie, did you? Like when you're growing up? Yeah, born and raised in Erie. And um, it, at the time I was a little kid, there there was so much men's fast pitch softball in Erie, Pennsylvania, that they actually had morning leagues <laughs> for guys that worked second and third shift and they couldn't play at night in the rec leagues and stuff. And so that's basically how my brother and I, we grew up at the ballparks because my father played in the morning league because he worked nights. And so, wow. you know, there, there was leagues and I'm talking like multiple leagues, you know, that were playing during the daytime, um, you know, during the summers because the, these guys didn't get a chance to play at night. And then, then there was all the leagues at different on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there was all different leagues on all those different nights as well. So there was so much of it where I'm originally from, it, it was just insane. And, and to have morning leagues was, was just the, you know, it just shows you how much there was pretty unheard of. Is there still a lot of ball there now? There's nothing, God nothing in, in Erie, Pennsylvania left. I mean, even the last couple of years that I was running the Ed McCormick tournament, we, we really didn't have a league going. We had uh, we had one sponsor who loved the game so much that he would basically fund um, the umpires and the fields and the maintenance of everything. And, and he, it was actually Ed McCormick, the namesake of the tournament, um, who just passed away last year. And he, uh, he funded just, so we'd play an exhibition game, just try to get 19, 18 guys. In fact, we couldn't even get 18 guys at the end of it in Erie, Pennsylvania. We were bringing three down from Ontario, Tommy (laughs) Berube and Mark Corton and whoever the hell they'd bring down with them. Um, would drive down from, from Niagara Falls and, and play uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania on Tuesday nights. And we couldn't get 18 guys uh, at the end of it to play. And it's unbelievable from where it was to, to what yeah. it is now. Or, yeah. you know, and in fact, uh, fast pitch started to really lose its uh, grip on the city when uh, modified pitch came in. And keep in mind now that I know you had Greg Leather on and he was really big into modified, but there's two different kinds of modified pitch. There's the nine man, which is basically slingshot. And then there's 10 man, which is you're not allowed to do anything to generate spin or speed on the ball. You have to keep your elbow locked, your wrist locked. You're not allowed to turn your shoulders You're not allowed to turn your hips. You basically, you can try to throw it as fast as you can, but the restrictions that are put on you are such that they don't want you to be able to throw the ball. They don't want rise balls and drop balls and, and there's no velocity. And so 10 man, you know, you have the extra outfielder nine man is basically slingshot where you, you throw it as hard as you can. But 10 man is what took over in Erie, Pennsylvania for the longest time. And, and then that's even dropped out. And then it became the big ball, slow pitch. Like you might see in Chicago where they play without with gloves, where they throw it 18 feet high and you're not allowed to wear gloves. And, and that took over for a while. Yeah. That's and, fucking horseshit. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the, you don't wear gloves when you play this. And there was like a 12 team league and, and, and it's really big in Chicago still. And, and maybe in different parts of the country, but um, Erie had a, a really big league going. And the, 
um, you know, it was crazy, you know, and, and, but all that while, while all these other things were building up, men's fast pitch was just dropping, dropping, dropping and shame. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, when we, we had the Ed McCormick tournament there for a while, which was, you know, going, when it was going, it was one of the best tournaments in the country. Um, that was, you know, even, even the fans that used to all love the game of fast pitch, all the people that used to play and come out and watch and none of them were, um, coming out and watching the tournament. So it was, it just got to be a point of why am I doing this? You know, it's just, you know, there's only so long you can piss in the ocean. You know, it's just, it's just pushing shit uphill. Exactly. So how old were you when you got your start in the game? I started in like a church league when I was 11. And then I played in our men's city rec league when I was 12, I believe. And when I do pitching lessons in clinics, I, I always make sure that I reference that to people is, you know, as I say, you know, I was 12 years old pitching against grown men and, and I got my ass kicked. I got my ass kicked all through my career. But especially when I was a 12 year old pitching against grown men, I mean, it was Chuck and duck, you know, throw it and and hope that I didn't get killed. And and that my father had to sign waivers to let me play and all kinds of stuff in case I got hurt. And, um, but you know, this was before, you know, the woke culture of girls suing to play in boys sports and boys suing to play in girls sports. So if I wanted to play, I had to play against grown men. And I always tell the kids that I work with, imagine you're a 12 year old and you got to pitch against UCLA or, or, you know, one of the schools. That's, that's what I did. And it was horrible. (laughs) Holy shit. Like, so did you start pitching right away? Like, is that like when you started playing, did you pretty much self teach yourself? Well, I'll tell you what, guys, I've never played a single game of baseball in my life. Okay. Even I, I was actually, I was going to ask played. you that. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the high school baseball coach in my school was also played in our men's fast pitch league. Almost everybody played in the men's fast pitch league at one point in Erie because it was so popular. Hmm. And he used to try to get me to come out and just DH because I was a fairly decent hitter. I know Greg Letter's probably laughing at this, but <laughs> I would DH when I, you know, in New Zealand and stuff when I wasn't pitching, I would bat and, and I didn't do bad, but yes, in terms of pitching, I was all self-taught, but, um, so I never played baseball, but they would always try to get me to come out and play. And I was always afraid it would ruin my softball swing. And I, Oh, I will never get to bake to the top if I try baseball. And, <sighs> and now I see what Max Scherzer just signed for yesterday and I'm kicking myself. Jesus, <laughs> I know that's un- insane. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I would just, I was self-taught my brother and I, my brother was a pitcher too. And, and he and I would pitch just nonstop in the yard until, you know, we get tired and we take a break and we go back in, we'd pitch again. And we'd ask, you know, we'd see the the best pitchers in the city, which were, you know, our a league level, basically not, nothing like the open level guys. And, and I didn't know that there was a level above the open, you know, above the a league guys in Erie. And, and I was thinking these guys are the best in the country watching them play. And I just, I'd see one guy and say, how did you hold your rise ball? And then I'd say, how did you hold your rise ball? And, <laughs> right. and I just, I just asked everybody and kind of piecemealed it together. And then, um, when I was 15 years old, a friend of mine took me to the the historic tournament. You guys have probably heard about Oakland, Pennsylvania oh, yeah, over yeah. our Labor Day weekend. And, and that used to be a 32 team tournament played over a weekend. And, and I got to see my first major level pitcher ever when I was 15. And I, I was just, on, I was in disbelief. I mean, I, not only that everything I thought about softball up to that point was wrong, but that, that somebody could throw the ball as hard as he did. <laughs> and, um, I, and I, so, I mean, that just set me on a whole new course of wanting to try to be that good and try to play at that level. Can you remember who was in pitching that tournament back then? 
Oh, I could, I can give you, as you know, Randy, and I tell you what, and this reminds me, I, know. I think I should get an executive, pro- executive producer credit for your show from all the names, yeah. Yeah, exactly. phone numbers I'm sending <laughs> you all the time. That is true. Um, <laughs> um, Lauren Algar, Paul Algar's brother, Lauren, okay, yeah. was the first guy that I ever saw. And I, and I can give you names and dates of everything <laughs> that I ever saw in every game and blah, blah. Um, and, and he was the first one I ever saw it and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, there was other, uh, mid major teams at that tournament. Like Ashland was a good team, but you know, they, they, they couldn't beat the pen and the Guanella brothers and right. stuff like that. They, they just didn't have the horses like those teams did, but, mm-hmm. but they had Lauren Elgar and he kept them in every game when they would play these top teams. Yeah. And I know, I know you, when you spoke to Nick about that the other day, he told you that. And, and, and it was very true. I mean, they, they had the pitching usually, but they just didn't have the hitting and they didn't play the schedule to get them ready for the, for the opposition that they'd be playing. Right. But, um, so, you know, I saw like Stevie price when he was a kid and I got to see, uh, there was a, another American pitcher, Tony Hunoff, who used to play for the Sunners and with Ashland and different teams. And so these guys just totally opened my mind that there's a whole nother level of softball. And, and then I did everything I could to learn all about it. I wrote, letters to every team that I ever could find an address for and asked them for t-shirts and programs from their, <laughs> from their team. And, and some wrote back to me and, and sent me stuff and others probably just threw the letter away and said, who's this nut kid. And, um, so, you know, I, I, you know, that's, that's how I got started and that's how I kept rolling with it. That's crazy. That's awesome too. So after you, after you were at that tournament and you, you had a whole new outlook on it, is that when you were like, okay, here's what I have to do to get better and, and, and you worked at it? Well, yeah, but that also came with a lot of inquiries as to how do I get that good? How do I do this? What do I do? And I I was fortunate that I had the size. I mean, I'm six foot three now. I was a pretty skinny kid when I was younger. I didn't, um, I, I just, I couldn't put on weight. I didn't put on weight. And, and so that kind of worked against me to a, to a degree. But, um, I mean, like I said, I was asking people, how do you do this? How do you do that? And, um, and, and that's, that's really what happened is, is it just, I, like I said, I started writing letters and, and asking people as many questions as I could. And, and I'd, I'd see somebody with a good rise ball and say, how did you hold that? And then I'd see somebody with a better one and say, how did you hold yours? And then, and I started to see there was a lot of common denominators and what the best, best pictures that I could see were all saying. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of what I tried to, you know, mimic then as I, as I was becoming a pitcher. Right. Right. So what, what age were you when you, uh, when you started? you know, getting right into it and, and traveling around. So the senior year of high school, 1990, the final quarter of my senior year, I left home to go move to Salt Lake city to live with Ken Hackmeister. Oh, wow. And Jesus. I, I lived with Kenny Hackmeister. My, my actual high school diploma is from a school in Utah because I graduated from a, my diploma came from the school in Utah. And I had to be there in March in order to make eligibility requirements for ASA at the time. And so I was playing for his 18 and under team, Ken Hackmeister's 18 and under team. I went out there and I got to pitch against them at one of the 18 and under nationals at one point. Then I got to pitch for him. In fact, I got to Salt Lake in 1990, the same year Peter Meredith did. And so we got there at the same time. And obviously we were on two different teams and playing in two different leagues and um, stuff, but it was still kind of cool because I got to know him a lot better at that point. And then, um, you know, a couple of years later we were teammates, which was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Freaking right. That'd be awesome. So uh, when did you go down to New Zealand? Was it at your younger age? Or, like, 
Yeah. Early? So the, the first, first time I went to New Zealand, uh, was right after that season, that 1990 season, um, at 18 years old, I went down for the first time. How'd that all happen? Um, Hackmeister set it up. I mean, New Zealand used to come to the Salt Lake city pioneer days tournament all the time. So he had a really good relationship with, with their executive director at the time. His name was John Voyle. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said, Hey, uh, he sent players down before and he would help players over here, find teams. And, and he was a commissioner within the ISC for a long time. And that was one of the things he did was he worked closely with New Zealand and he would help place players and pitchers at different teams. And that eventually became my job. But prior to that, um, I said to him, you know, I'll come out and pitch for you in Salt Lake, but I really want to go to New Zealand. And he said, well, I could make that happen. And sure enough, he did that, that winter. It was my first year down there. Wow. That's that's crazy. So I imagine there's, there's gotta be some good stories from playing with the Kiwis. (laughs) Oh, you know, especially this time of year when I, when I think back to where I would be right now, you know, if I was back in my New Zealand days, cause you know, the season's just kind of getting rolling right now. And, um, so yeah, the, my first year there, I was an 18 year old kid with an American accent and I lived at a hotel that had three bars and a nightclub. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I, I could tell you stories, but you'd probably lose your podcast license for some of the things. <laughs> so what, what was, uh, obviously the Kiwis are known for their, for their, you know, how good they are on the, in the softball world. What was, uh, what was the competition like down there in the, in the league play that you were in? Well, the first year I went was also the first time ever, ever that I pitched with two feet on the rubber. And so, you know, I grew up as a kid stepping back and, and basically having no rules. You know, the only rule is don't throw it overhand. Yeah. And then when I got down there, I had, not only are you pitching on those mats that they use instead of the ground, but, but, uh, I had to go with two feet on the rubber. So I almost had to relearn how to pitch. It's quite an adjustment, isn't it? It's, it's really, it's, it, I mean, for anybody that doesn't understand, I mean, imagine you're right-handed and then you all, all of a sudden you got to do everything left-handed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that backwards that you, you have to relearn how to, yep. you know, get weight transfer and, and everything. And so it, it took a good several months before I felt like I was pitching at, at the best I could at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, it's like, we had to do it here. We had, I think it was like four we flip flop. We flip flop like yeah. four. I think we had to go like four or yeah. five years with two feet. And then we went back. And yeah. I mean, those four or five years with two feet in the rubber, it's just like, Oh my God, come on. Like losing, especially someone like me who <laughs> yeah. I need that yeah. extra little oomph. The thing I remember about yeah. that too, was guys that pitched away at ISCs when they came to pitch at not Canadian nationals, they, couldn't pitch with two feet on the rubber because exactly. they were so used to pitching with one foot on the rubber. Yeah. So it was a big right. challenge for them. Yeah. Like Musi, when Musi came back, it was yep. there. He right. time. Yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you something interesting. When I, I know we'll probably get into it at some point, but when I was a commissioner within the ISC, one of my jobs was not only placing players with teams and in, in both in both countries back and forth, but um, I was also recruiting teams that would come to the ISC, and and I I was I was bringing teams from. Europe and Australia, different Guatemala and different teams would come. And I, and that was kind of my job is to kind of arrange all that. Well, I had to explain to the Czech Republic who was coming over to train themselves, prepare for the ISF or now the WBSC. You know, they were trying to get better for the next world championship that their pitchers aren't allowed to go with two feet on the rubber, but Dewey Dyke is legal or Musilar is legal, hopping, skipping and jumping all the way out in front of the circle. Your pitchers aren't allowed to go two feet on the rubber because that's against that's against the rules of the ISC to pitch with two feet on the rubber. 
<laughs> wow. You know, because in international, you go heel and toe, right? right you put your yeah. heel in front, your toe behind. That's illegal under ISC rules. And I would go round and round with Les Novak, who who was the umpire in chief, basically. And, and we would get into, you know, arguments and, and meetings about it. And I'm saying, you, you, you're trying to tell me that this is illegal, but 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 somebody who is basically just replanting wherever the hell they want to doing a car outside of <laughs> yeah. anything is, is that's that's fine and and they i could never see their point and they could never see my point so oh you know God. it is what it is yeah exactly. that, that's crazy so the the eight seasons that you were in new zealand like obviously that would have been your prime where you'd be playing there in the summer coming back here playing in the summer at yeah. that time was it yeah, pretty much. Um, the last year I was in New Zealand was the 99-2000 season. Okay. And and so that was the last time I was there. And, um, you know, I, I had, uh, um, and going back and forth as much, I had, you know, relationships with, with girls and stuff. And, and so I, I had a lot more than just softball that was taking me back there. But Obviously, softball was was probably the priority when I was there, but I also had other things that were taking me back and forth so much. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone as much as I did. And, right. and then I went to Australia for the one season, too. Oh, how, how was that? Different. Uh, different. I mean, it, it, the same in that they, they pitched on the mats and, um, you know, it was way before the days of an Adam Folkert and a Andrew Kirkpatrick. So so they Australia wasn't what Australia softball is now when I was there in the mid nineties, I mean, they were just getting better. They had some great players coming in with Shane King and Terry Downs and others, mm-hmm. but they, they, you know, they didn't have the, the, um, the Adam Fulkards yet. Right. And so it was, they had a lot of former New Zealanders that, uh, you know, cause you can travel between New Zealand and Australia, you know, when non pandemic time of year, you can, those guys can move and either, live in either place. So right. there's a lot of Kiwis that live and play ball in Australia. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, and so, um, yeah, I'll tell you an interesting thing. My first year in New Zealand, um, I got to play with a 14 year old Travis Wilson. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were on the same club team. Yeah. Wow. You could just see that he might've even been 13 at that time. I don't know how much older I am than him, but That's he was crazy. really young and, and yeah. And, and you could just tell that he was a cut above. Everybody I was going to say, I was going to ask, I was going to say, could you see the potential in him? Oh man, absolutely. I mean, he, he was playing, you know, um, with the men's teams and then he was still eligible for the 18 U, 15 U, 13. I mean, he, he could make all the grades, the, the age levels. So. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, kind of like Cole Evans today right now. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I played with his dad. His dad was our shortstop for three years. Oh, that's crazy. That's a, oh. You are old, Bill. <laughs> I know. Uh, tell me about it. That's, 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 that's what I said to somebody today who sent me a, hall of fame thing i said all that means is you're old man yeah. you, <laughs> people are thinking of you in the past tense now so. yeah that's so let's jump back to to 92 your first iscs what mm-hmm. uh what do you remember about that and was was that an eye-opener well, well it was an eye-opener um the the because back then it was you know qualifying was was harder right and yet, you know, you had to actually qualify and there, there was probably some at large teams that got to go, but, but you, you legitimately had to win your league or, or win a qualifying tournament. And, and I was 20 years old and, and pitching in a league against Ty Stofflet. And, um, and I got to pitch against him a number of times and then I got to play with him later in that year. But the first, the, we won our first game 
And then the second game, I remember we played Seattle and we, we lost on an error. And um, that next morning, Stofflet took me to breakfast to talk about it. How freaking cool is that? The Ty Stofflet probably, yeah. you know, for, for a Pennsylvania American kid that he, he's like God, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he took me to breakfast to talk about it. Wow. And then that was pretty awesome. And then we won two more games and we lost one to nothing to, or we lost one to nothing to Victoria. Pietnik beat us one to nothing on a wow. pass ball, believe it or not. Shit. Old peaches, old peaches. So were you with, uh, so was that Larry Miller or was that Paige? No, that for my first ISC I was with a team from Baltimore. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, so we were the the Maryland Hurricanes, and I didn't pl- I didn't get to play in Salt Lake again after that '90 season until '95 when I went with Toyota. And you guys made Miller, you Toyota runner up that year. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. It, I I don't know if anybody's ever told you these stories of that year, but I mean first of all, Zach was unhittable. We could still be playing right now. And we weren't going to score off him. I mean, he was just <laughs> unbelievable. He, he was, he was playing chess and we were playing checkers. Yeah. And, and, um, but in the, if game, our DP hit a, a ball and it bounced off the top of the fence and bounced back in. And he only got a double off it. Oh, if that shit. ball goes over, we win. No, it went to nothing. Oh, but we ended up man. losing the if game in 11 innings. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. So the, the, if game of that went 11 innings, but like I said, he, he was unhittable, so it, we we could have still been playing, and, and we weren't going to score. That's crazy. Yeah, he was he was unhittable that that ISCs like that. Well, yeah. I shouldn't say just that ISCs. No, I lot mean, of them. <laughs> like man, he he was so good back then. Um, yeah, that actually that year I didn't you you got to pitch in the finals, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I went in. Um, I mean, listen, I, I knew what my role was. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, ne- I've never not known what my role is in this sport. And so I, I don't ever want to put myself in the same sentence as Zach or Stofflet or, mm. or anybody like that. Um, but I went into the final, um, the, the first final, because we were already down four to nothing or something. Right. And we realized we're not going to score. And so they took Pete out and, and basically threw me in and, and finished up the game. And then we went on to the if game. And I, I remember as, as, as clear as I'm sitting here, I remember Pete saying to, to the team, he said he was spraying his fingers with stickum, And he said, you guys give me one run and we'll win. Wow. And he said, and, and I've never seen him throw as hard as he did that, that if game. I mean, he wow. just turned it up a notch and it, it was just zeros both teams, zero, 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 zeros went to the 11th inning. And in the bottom of the seventh of the if game, our uh, center fielder dropped a bunt. They threw the ball down the first baseline with nobody out. He made it to third. Zach walked the bases load and struck out the side. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Just, you couldn't hit him. I mean, we had the top of the, we had the meat of our order up. With with bases loaded and nobody out, and he just struck out the side like he was playing wiffle ball. It's it just <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, like like looking back now, like but I mean, I guess even then, what was what was it like watching Zach like in that moment? Like that had to be surreal. It, it was. It was. I mean, at the time, it, it was. You know, well, you're probably pissed. <laughs> it, it's frustrating as yeah. hell, but um, you know, I I you know the first my first ISC ninety two was Zach was with the Vancouver magicians and I had pitched against him earlier that year. And I had met him a couple of times before that at the Elkland tournament and a couple other things that he mm-hmm. would be added. And so, so I got to see his progression from like 1987 up through that 92 season when he was with Vancouver and, and took that team 
which I mean, he, he pitched them into the top four. I mean, of, of back when the ISC was still right. more than just three teams, you know? Yeah. And, and he, he was, so I watched him progress from the 87 all the way up to 92. And then going into 93, when he beat Sioux city twice was, you know, it was just unreal. Hmm. And then, then of course he beats us again in 95 and it's uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome watching him just get better and better yeah. and, and, and everybody else just looking like, you know, they're, they're just not getting better. <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I, that's not a, a diss to anybody else. It's a compliment to him because he was just, he was just so much better than, than everybody else. And it was, you know, it's probably like, uh, before my time it was like watching Jimmy Moore, I guess, back in the eighties, because right. they say he was just, he was just, you know, it would frustrate you because you couldn't hit him. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't hit him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, man. That's, that's awesome. I like just thinking back to those times when softball was like so huge and it just, I miss those. Yeah. Days. Just, oh, yeah. Frig. Um, it's, it's unbelievable where the game is now versus yeah. where it used to be. And, and I've, and I've said before that, that, you know, one of the worst things about it is that people that see all the stuff on TV now, the NCAA on TV and different stuff, that all started with men's fast pitch. If there wasn't men's fast pitch, there wouldn't have been an ASA. If there wasn't an ASA, there wouldn't have been the the progression of the sport for the females that there is today. And the ASA was built on the back of men's fast pitch. Right. I mean, that's what the game was back in the day. So, yep. you know, the, the fact that most people's understanding of men's fast pitch softball today is the king in his court. That's what people yeah. think men's fast pitch That's was. Sad. And they don't, yeah. you know, they, they would have no idea who an Adam Folkert is or even who a Ty Stofflet is for the most part. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of sad really. But, uh, yeah, as I want to talk to, we, we were talking back and forth a little bit today about that, uh, that you got to play with both, both Salt Lake city teams, um, mm -hmm. and kind of like the rivalry there. Touch on that a little bit because, uh, <laughs> pretty good story there. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I was with Toyota from 95 to 96. And then in the off season of 95, 96, I had knee surgery. I had a pretty bad problem with my knee and it required actual surgery, not like orthoscopic. You're done in a week. And so I couldn't go back to New Zealand and play that winter. So I stayed at home and, and, um, that, that next season, uh, in 96, that summer, still with Toyota, um, partway in June, we were playing in the Vancouver challenge up in Vancouver, obviously, mm -hmm. but it was like, uh, it had all car, it had the farm, it had Victoria. It, I mean, th th there was like the top eight teams were there. And, uh, in one of the games I landed funny and I hurt my knee again. And one of the trainers said, well, there's a chance you might've undone what the surgery did. You might've come back too soon. And so, oh shit. So I really didn't get to pitch a lot that year. And the next year, that winter, um, I did go back to New Zealand and, and I was training it, rehabbing it, doing everything. And Toyota decided to move on and they, they went another direction. And so I still like playing in Salt Lake. And mm -hmm. so, um, Paige Brake called and said, Hey, well, we heard Toyota's making a change. Would you, you know, come over to us? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Cause I wanted to stay in Salt Lake. And, um, so I got to play with Paige break and, and, um, Randy, you played in Salt Lake, right? Yeah. What year were you there? I, I was there 08 and 09. So oh, I was, did I you was get there. to meet Carl Hansen? I did not actually, oh. funny thing is I played for Salt Lake and I never actually got to go to Salt Lake city. 
Oh wow! Yeah, oh, so I you got just kind of commuted down on weekends to every, different places. And... Everything was on the on the West Coast. I like Best of the West in Santa Barbara, Dimarini Cup yeah. in Portland, stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Car- Carl Hansen was the owner and sponsor of Page Break, and he had a team for you know almost as long as Larry Miller did, and 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 the two the two teams were rivals for a long time, and there was always two births out of Utah to the ISC. There was the travel league winner and then the Utah state winner. So both teams were going to get to go. It was just a question of who went under what slot basically. Right. And, and so there was never really a question of, of, um, you know, you know, one team beating the other out and the other team not getting to go to the ISC. But, um, it was, it was pretty, pretty different getting to flip over to that from, from the Toyota side over to the page side, because Page was always can kind of considered the, the younger brother to, to right. Larry Miller. Right. And, and, um, but you know, when I got, the, when I pitched for them, Toyota basically had the same players from when I was there and, and I, you know, I played with them for two years. I, I kind of knew them and, and whenever I'd pitch against them, we'd usually beat them. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, now that, in that there's two different Toyota teams, basically there's their weak team. And by week, I mean during the week, not weak as in not right. strong, yeah. but, and then they, then the weekend they would bring in all the, all the out-of-staters. And so, you know, beating them during the week on a Tuesday night didn't give you, didn't, you know, really, you know, give you the, 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 the great stuff pumping through your veins. Like you, you did something huge, right? but you know, um, we finally got to play against each other in 1999 in the finals of the pioneer days tournament, which at the time was one of the best uh, tournaments in the country and we beat them three to one in the final. And that was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, our, the Carl Hansen, you know, kind of, we, we, we always said that we did that for Carl and, yeah. and cause he, he just was always like runner up to Larry Miller in, in Salt Lake. <laughs> and then, you know, the Larry Miller himself was there at the game. He was in the dugout because they had never won. No Salt Lake team had ever won their own tournament. And so finally, you know, that game was going to, somebody was going to win the championship yep. and, um, and it happened to be us. And, uh, so that's it was awesome. kind of neat. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Actually speaking of Salt Lake, I, uh, I saw yesterday when they announced your hall of fame there on Facebook, uh, Mark Benjamin gave you a comment on there. Do you know, you know, Benji? I, yeah, well, very well from all my years there. And then we played together in New Zealand as well for a year or two. Okay. I, yeah. So I got to play with Benji and, and so I pretty much, when I played with Salt Lake, I hung out with Benji and, and Tommy Gray. So oh yeah, Benji is one of the funniest. Oh people. my God. Unreal. One of the craziest, funniest people <laughs> yeah. that, that I've ever met. And, um, to, to be in New Zealand with him was even better because he just did not care at all <laughs> there about what he said to who and what. And so yeah. That, that he was there for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, the, and where he's in Oklahoma, he's somewhere in Oklahoma no, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's moved around quite a bit with different college jobs. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of guy male fast pitch guys are getting into the college game, and and it's really revolutionizing the sport here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, I saw that, and I kind of had a chuckle, and I was like, oh, I gotta ask, I gotta ask Bill about Benji because that guy's a beauty. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best word for it. Yeah, yeah he's he was something. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on the U S national team here. Um, sure. You were on the team twice, 93, mm-hmm. first time 93. Uh, what was that like being named the team in 93? Well, it was a little frustrating because, um, we, we had just com- back then, uh, they were just transitioning into, uh, picking the team individually versus sending the national champ from the year before. All right. And, 
And so in 1993, uh, well, throughout the 80s and into the 90s, they had what's called the U.S. Olympic Festival. And the Olympic Festival, what they would do is they would take the top four teams from the nationals the year before, and that's who would get to go play in the in the United States Olympic Festival. And the Olympic Festival is basically every sport that's in the Olympics and even some that aren't in the Olympics would go to a city and, and they would play an Olympic style event. Okay. And men's men's fast pitch was in there. Women's fast pitch was in there. And they would take, I said, they took the top four teams. And, and so in 1992, Zach pitched with Seattle uh, in the ASA and they made it to the top four. And then the 1993 season, I went with Seattle for the season and, and the Olympic festival was on our schedule. So I got to go to the Olympic festival and it was us Miller Toyota Guinella brothers who had won the national championship and, uh, Ashland, Ohio were, were the four teams that were there. And, um, so you, you play in this thing and I think we won the bronze medal that year and they were picking the team that was going to go to the Pan Am tournament in Mexico in like early October. Right. And I kept saying to the coach, I said, well, they, he kept kind of hinting at me that I was probably going to be on the team. And I said, well, I need to know. And he wouldn't tell me. And I said, <laughs> well, I need to know because I'm going back to New Zealand and I need to go book ticket. You know, I got to tell them when I'm going to be able to come. And, mm -hmm. and, um, so he wouldn't tell me. And then in between the seasons, when I was like waiting to go to New Zealand, I got the letter from USA softball. Congratulations. You are been selected to go to Monterey, Mexico. And, and so, um, you know, we, we, as a U.S. team, we went, we, we were loaded. We had Billy Boyer and Timmy wall and you know, we, we were stacked and, uh, Canada basically took a really depleted Toronto Gators team that won the ISC and the Canadian championships, but they, they didn't have all of the big, big names but they had Darren Zach yeah. <laughs> and he beat us again in the final. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He beat us two to one in the final of the Pan Am tournament there. And I mean, they still had a really good team. I mean, they, they had, you know, Craig Crawford was catching and they had, um, you know, Stevie price was there and Randy Peck. I mean, they had a good oh, team, yeah. but it wasn't the Toronto Gators that won the ISC. Right. And, um, but, but again, Zach was just, you know, he was inhuman and, and he won. And, and then, um, so that was my first trip there. That was my first time was 1993. And they had a, um, and once again, I was 21 years old at the time. And, and I knew what my role was. My role was to pitch against Jamaica and whoever else. And, and, and basically save Meredith for when we played Canada. Right. And we had myself and Meredith and Scotty Planger. And, um, I ended up pitching like the majority of our games and I went like six and oh, and I won this most valuable pitcher trophy from the Pan Am tournament. I don't know if they've ever given one since or ever gave one before, but I got, I got this trophy and, and they, nice. they were saying blah, blah, blah in Spanish. And I had no idea what they're saying. And they, and they were calling my name and I was like, well, I don't understand. We were, you know, we were all dejected. We got the silver medal. We were angry at Zach and, <laughs> you know, and, um, and then, and they called my name and I got this trophy and I didn't know what it was for. And, and, and then they kind of explained it to me and it was kind of a neat honor. Yeah. Absolutely. I imagine Jesus, especially going six and zero in a tournament like that. I mean, I mean, you say you were facing Jamaica and teams like that, but still, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I pitched against, um, you know, teams like that. And then I pitched, also pitched against Argentina. I mean, now Argentina oh. wasn't what they are now. Right. Um, you know, they, they started sending their players over here in the mid nineties and then, you know, they started with two and then the next year there was six. And, and then in fact, they all went to Salt Lake as well. Oh, and, okay. um, yeah. And that's how that old floodgate started. Right. 
So it started with Julio Gamarcy and Roberto Baylor, who were the first two that came over. And we met them, Pete and I met them at that Pan Am tournament in Mexico. And, and they wanted to come to the U.S. to, to get better and, and learn. Mm-hmm. And, and so Pete arranged for them to come to Salt Lake. Wow. So they were the uh, they were pretty much the start of what they've grown in today then. <laughs> yes. Every, everything that you see with Argentina softball right now, it traces back to those two. And, wow. and they, and they, they came and in fact, they lived with me for a couple of weeks, um, before I moved out to a different place. And, um, you know, and then the next year, like I said, there were, there was two the first year. And then the next year there was about six of them wow. and including more pitchers and a couple hitters. And, and, and then it's just, it's just snowballed ever since with them and, and look at where they are. Oh, and it's it, just remarkable. You love to see it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, for so many years, it, it, it's Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, you're, you're starting to see it become more of an even playing field. I mean, Japan, Argentina, I mean, I, I, I can see the U.S. is going to start coming along here like in in a few years when, you you know, Cody Gibbons and and mm-hmm. the other young ones start coming along. I mean, and, and it's just great for the game. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the hope, right? I mean yeah. is is I haven't get to see I haven't got to see this Co- Cody Gibbons pitch yet, but I mean everything I've heard about him is is you know talent-wise is mm. he's he's remarkable. Yeah. And um, you know, and there's only an upside with him being 16, 17 years old. I just I really hope that uh he listens to whoever is going to be giving him advice because yeah. I know as a, as a 16, 17-year-old pitcher, I I I thought I knew more than I did. Right. And, and I, and I really wished I would have listened to more people when I was younger. And then, you know, when I was older and the second time I pitched with the U S team was 2000, we went to South Africa. I, I, I was like a, a tail to Michael white everywhere he went. I was just right there with him. And I yeah. just, the, the things that he would just mutter under his breath were, you know, <laughs> some of the smartest softball pitching things that you'd ever know. I was going to ask, so, I was going to ask you about Michael white, like, that, yeah. like, the guy is, I mean, we all know what he's done. You know, a lot of people today know what he's done in the NCAA, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we know what he's done back in the day in our, in our game. So I yeah. can, I can only imagine what it was like, you know, being alongside him. Yeah. And, and he and I got to be pretty good buddies. Um, he came, he came to New Zealand on a visit to see his family and he stayed with me for almost a week. And we went and saw the America's cup village and then we went golfing every day and, and I took him around different places. So I got, I got to be pretty good, good buddies with Mike and, and, you know, now his college success, one of my top pitchers just signed to go play for him down in Texas. So he's nice. He owes me one now. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who, but, who was that? Yeah. I mean, uh, her name's Tegan Cavan. Okay. Okay. Right on. There's an article about her. If you go on extra inning softball, there's yep. a, there's an article about her that's uh, that she's looking forward to going to Austin and definitely, it's really, definitely she's a really good out. kid. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, he he's just uh, one of the smartest people softball wise that you know pitching and mm-hmm. and then hitting and and I remember speaking at the NFCA national convention, which mm-hmm. is basically the national college coaches association now is national softball college association coaches basically every college coach in the country goes to the convention right and uh i got to be one of the featured speakers one year and it was in las vegas and uh i was i was actually doing a pitching debate with two women we would debate on different topics and 
Um, it was pretty entertaining, but I remember looking out in the crowd and we were the only event going on at that time. So the whole ballroom was filled with like 5,000 people. And I remember looking out in like the third row center was Michael White. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is like a disciple preaching, preaching to Jesus. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, what, what can I say to him? So, but it was, it was pretty, pretty intense to, to uh, get to know him because he was a hero of mine as a kid, obviously as a student of the game, as a young kid, he, everybody knew who Michael White was. Yeah. And I, and um, to get to know him and, and get to play with him was just something that I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. What was his game prep like? <sighs> That's a really good question because, you know, I didn't room with him um, on the rooms. I, I stuck around with him as often as I could, and, and I ride in the cars with him as often as I could. But he, he kept a lot of things to himself. And, uh, I mean, like, you know, if I asked him questions, he would certainly tell me things yeah. and, and everything like that. But I, mean, I never really asked him what his game prep was. Um, he he kept a lot of things close to the vest. And, and like I said, he would just sometimes he would say things. And I don't even think he knew what he was saying, but he would just <laughs> comment on where somebody is in the box or, you know, oh, you see that loop in the swing or something. And, you know, you just his mind is just always going. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. So, yeah, that was that was a that was a lesson, too, to just never take your eyes off the game. Yeah. Because oh. there's always something that you can learn. And, and that was a big lesson, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, when you were like when you were ISC commissioner, you were obviously still playing at that time, were you not? Yeah, I got asked to be a commissioner in 1997. So I would have been about 27, maybe 26 years old. Okay. Uh, I was one of the youngest ones ever, if not the youngest one ever. And um, so, how did that guy? Like, well, the guy who was in the ISE executive director um, before Hackmeister was a guy named Milt Stark. Okay. Yeah. And and at this point, I had already gone back to New Zealand probably four or five times, and so they were getting a really cozy relationship with New Zealand, and they we wanted to kind of have. Uh, cooperative rules like if in new zealand when, when if you change teams it's it's not exactly like just changing teams from miller toyota to page break you actually have to get a, a transfer and change teams and this the club has to sign off on you being allowed to go play for somebody else and because oh, wow. if you if you owe the club money if you took the their uniform and didn't give it back some, they can hold up their, your ability to go play for somebody else Oh wow! And so we were trying to get cooperative rules like that in place with New Zealand and with the ISC because we didn't want somebody to be able to just, you know, run rampant somewhere and then and then come over here and be able to be, you know, scot free, do whatever you want. So we wanted to have, you know, a good cooperation with them. And and at that point, I was also kind of unofficially setting players up over here. Uh, you know, a pitcher wants to come over and and, and I would get a hold of somebody and say, okay, here's a picture. And, and, and I did that for, for, I don't know how many people. And I also helped people go the other way too, down to New Zealand. So it kind of became a, um, just kind of a, a, a good marriage that since I was already doing it, that they wanted me to be a part of the ISC and, and they wanted some younger blood in there. And, and I filled that role too. Right. Well, so, um, yeah. And I, and I started doing that. And like I said, 1997 was my first one. And you went till 2020 or 2013. Wow. That's it's uh, quite yep. a run though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then a good majority of that, that was on the executive committee. And, and that's, you know, that's, I don't want to say it's a full-time job, but I mean, there's something to, to do. I, 
I'm telling you what, there's 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 email discussions going on right now about different things, whether it's a rule change or this or that or something. Right. There's always something going on that they're talking about and working on. So there's a lot more goes on behind the scenes than a lot of people realize. That's awesome. I, yeah, that, that's kind of stuff I love hearing hearing about, you know, the behind the scenes stuff and yep. and little intricates of the game. Um, yeah. And I, and I really wanted to be a part of that. I mean, I really wanted to, I was so in, you guys got to understand, I was so into the game. This was yeah. all that I did and all I wanted to do. It never, ever occurred to me that I would get old and I wouldn't be able to go back and forth to New Zealand for, forever and, and be able to play forever. And um, so I was involved in, in the game from both on the field and off the field. And, and that was like a dream. Yeah. No, actually, a question I want to ask about the how is the uh, when the selection process for picking where it's going to be? Is there like any main thing that that you look at or? Well, right now, I mean, it used to be there was there was a, a bidding process and, and we would vote on it. The commissioners would vote on um, now pretty much any time Kimberly, Wisconsin bid on it. They got it. I mean, that, that, because well, everybody loves Kimberly, now, but not they. <laughs> they didn't want to bid on it every year because it would just burn out their volunteers and, and, and they wanted to kind of keep it special. So they didn't want it every single year. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there would be like almost like, I mean, like a, a mini situation like the Olympics where when a host city, they would have parties and they would invite the commissioners in and give you beer and, and food. And they would try to sway your vote when the TAM came to, to vote on their city. And so that when there was multiple places that were bidding for the ISC, we would actually have votes on it. Nowadays, it goes to anybody who will host it. Right. I mean, everything has changed. I mean, it used to be there was multiple cities on each year looking to try to try to host. And now it's just now it's whoever's quad, gonna quad be city. Able to... Now it's Quad City. <laughs> yeah. Quad, quad City every other year because I think they have a girls tournament on the off year. At oh, the okay, same yeah. time, yeah. So yeah, it goes back to Quad City, and I know Quad City has its ups and downs, but um, I mean, there's just very few places left that that want to host it. I mean, some of the best places, you know, like Sioux City and Kimberly, and these places, they just don't have yeah. have the place anymore to do it. They don't have the people to do it anymore, and the, you know, it's just another, you know, another reason the game's going the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think Kitchener would have put on a show if it wasn't for the pandemic that year, like a couple years yeah. ago. Like, yeah, I think Kitch- yeah. Kitchener's a great host. They, they, they always did things the right way. The only downside of Kitchener is the, the West coast teams have to travel as far. Right. And then, you know, but you could say that when the ISC was in Victoria and the East coast teams had to travel really far. So you know, there, there's there's pros and cons to every place that you have, and but you know, I you know now um, it's it's sounding like uh, Circle Tap is is wanting to be in the mix of hosting it. You know, on a on like a cycle, it's kind of sounds like, and and everybody I talked to loved it up there, and that'd, that'd be and, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so you know, you have a place like that that not only wants to host it, but also has a great facility and a great atmosphere, and, yeah. And you know, the, the, that's going to be a no brainer to keep them in the, in the cycle. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I gotta, we gotta touch on the host of pitching. Be silly not to. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, how did that all start? Well, um, you know, another American pitcher by the name of Doug Gillis, uh, he was doing pitching lessons in was in Michigan for a long time. And he would talk to me, you know, at different tournaments and stuff. And I would say, oh, I thought about giving lessons and oh, you should, you should, you should. And, um, so 
I think it was like 2002, 2001, 2002, I finally decided this is it. I'm going to do it. And, um, so I started, you know, kind of or putting myself out there to different local organizations and club teams. And, and I built up lessons. And um, now, like I was saying to you guys earlier, you know, most people don't have a clue who a Darren Zach is. You know, they they, they, they don't really know. They, they Some people know that men used to play fast pitch, but they don't even know that we had uniforms. You know, right, they, yeah. they just, they, you know, and so the ability as a guy to just be able to demonstrate the pitching to a girl is unbelievable to them. They're not used to a guy. There's a million pitching coaches and a half a million of them are men who have never pitched before and, and they're teaching girls how to pitch. So my niche of being able to demonstrate it is just mind blowing to them. You know, they've never. <laughs> yeah can, you know, fall off the table or stuff. They're, they're used to being taught that you got to do this when you throw one pitch and you throw your screwball this way and you throw your fastball like this. And then somebody like me comes in and says, no, let me show you, this is what I do. This is why, and this is how, and, you know, you try to explain to them that, you know, I'm not, I'm not Mike White. You guys don't even understand that there's a whole nother level or three above me. <laughs> and, and, you know, but just the ability to demonstrate stuff was, is, is mind blowing to girls. Yeah. And so that, that's, is, that's huge. Any guy, um, that's a pitcher. In fact, there's even a lot of guys who played fast pitch that aren't pitchers that weren't pitchers. They do pitching lessons because everybody on the sidelines turns their arm over and tries to pitch. Yeah. And so if you're, you're able to do that and not look like, you know, the proverbial monkey doing what to a football and, and you look like you're, you know, have, have any semblance of knowing what you're doing, people are going to listen to what you say. Right. True. And, and so that's, that's how it all started. And it really took off faster than I could have ever, to, I was literally going all over the country doing lessons and clinics and, and I would go up to, uh, British Columbia, like two, three times a month sometimes and do lessons and stuff up there. I mean, you got guys wow. like Robbie Ginter and Pieknik and stuff in Victoria and these places were bringing me up there to do lessons. And I'm like, you guys don't realize the resources you have here. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they didn't realize the reason some of them didn't realize the resources that they had there. And, but I mean, I didn't want to, hype up peaches too much. I don't want to talk myself out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would say he's all right. Oh, yeah. He, he he's might okay. teach us something, but <laughs> he, he throws with the wrong arm. What's going on with him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Frank, that's hilarious. So yeah, so that, uh, that's how that kind of got started. And then, um, I took a, in 2018, I went through a divorce and, um, I decided to just kind of change everything. And, um, I took a college job for the first time and I had, worked with different colleges before, but as a quote unquote consultant and that word consultant changed the rules about what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, where you're allowed to do it with, with the teams. But this time I actually went on staff at Providence, which is a mid major division one, the big East conference. Yep. Yep. And, um, so I went to work there for, for the year. And, um, when you, when you sign on and you're on a college staff, you're not allowed to do lessons like you do here, like I do in clinics and things. Okay. There, there's ways that you can do it, but it, it, it violates rules. And there, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of bullshit that I didn't want to go through. So I didn't even bother. Right. And so, uh, so that kind of shut that down for a while. Um, and then after Providence, um, I moved out here to Omaha and I was here with a different school and I, I was here for three months and I quit. And, but I liked Omaha, so I decided to stay and now I got my lessons back up and running again. 
Nice. That's awesome. So you got to, uh, you got to work a little bit with the, the Olympic team. Did you not? Yeah. Earlier this year, um, uh, I went to Dallas with one of their training camps for two weeks and, um, you know, I would sit in the bullpen and, you know, if somebody had something to ask or whatever, I would offer my opinion, but, you know, I basically just threw batting practice and, um, was around the team trying to make jokes and whatever. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it was, it was kind of neat. The, the U S former Olympic coach, Ken Erickson, he used to play, he played oh, yeah. with Miller Toyota. Oh, okay. he was a catcher and he played with Miller Toyota in 95, the year we took second and he played with the Clearwater bombers and he played with the smokers. And so he's got a huge background in men's fast pitch. And, um, you know, they, they always, the U S team always wants male pitchers to go throw batting practice because they want somebody that can make the ball go up and down, throw the ball well, 70 miles an hour without much effort. And, you know, can, mm -hmm. can simulate what they're going to see when they play Japan or right. Australia. Yeah. So, so they, the U S team will almost always have male pitchers as they throw batting practice. Yeah. Wow. That must have been a pretty cool experience though. I mean, you know, being around that environment. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and now the new coach, um, Heather Tarr, um, I'm pretty, pretty close with her and she's already asked me to go, um, to the next training camp, which is, January 1st through 5th down in Florida. Um, but I'm not able to, I'll be in Europe for the holidays unless yeah. this new COVID thing shuts that down. I don't know what's going to happen with this new strain, but, oh, yeah. right. um, you know, as we, as we record this, I, I don't know what's going to happen with it all that everything's, you know, I know Israel's already shut down passengers from out of the country. And yeah. so who knows what's going to happen in a couple of weeks when Christmas rolls around, but I'm supposed to be in Europe for Christmas. My son lives over there and I go over there every year. So I wasn't able to do this camp, but, um, hopefully I'd, you know, maybe who knows, maybe I'd be able to do it a little more full time. Yeah. That's going to ask you about your son, Bill. He's quite a swimmer if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's doing really well with the swimming one of the national teams and uh, he has his club team and he's got, he's got, I don't even know how many national records over there for yeah. things. Yeah. Now, I mean, th that's the Danish national records. That's kind of like being the tallest midget. You know, I don't know what that means in the scale of, of the world, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess with swimming, you can kind of look up and see what other kids, um, what, what their times are and you can judge it that way. It's not sure, so subjective. Sure. Like, yeah, Oh, I yeah. think Mike white was better than Zach. And you could argue about it this way. You can actually look at the numbers and, right. and see what the times are. Yeah. But he just set a couple of European records and, um, he's got the Nordic championships coming up this next week. And awesome. so he's, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He was for a while there. He was really, really into softball and he was pitching and, and Fulkard was his hero. I mean, oh, yeah. he just loved Fulkard. And, um, so he would try to imitate Fulkard pitching and he played in a couple, you know, over in Denmark. And then he, he would come over here and play in the NAFA boys youth oh. championships that they would have in Michigan. Yeah. And, and, um, so he, uh, he did that for a couple of years and now he just wants to concentrate on swimming. He doesn't want anything to do with softball. Oh, that's well, fine. I mean, it seems like the, everybody has their own thing. Yeah. It seems like they're doing all right in it. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I knew, you know, more about it. Um, you know, living over here, I don't get the, especially with, with COVID I, I would normally, I would go to Europe every other month to see them, if right. not more. Um, and that gets expensive and it gets time consuming, but, but it, it is what it is. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of the situation I was in to be able to see him. I have to yep. go over there. And, mm -hmm. sure. um, so, 
he he would get to come over here again, non-COVID, normal situations. But um, it's been a couple of years since he's been to the U.S. now, and uh, but yeah, I go over as often as I can, and nice. um, yeah. So I just I don't really understand the swimming what 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 heat is versus a, a, a you know what a backstroke is versus the breaststroke I don't know yeah. what all this stuff is but I just know to hold my breath when I go underwater that's all I know yeah yeah <laughs> and, and he's he's autistic as well so he qualifies for the uh, special well the para sport they call it okay oh wow so he can play he can swim in that and he swims in both I guess you'd call it the regular Olympics and the Paralympics. Oh, wow. That's great. So Jeez. yeah, he's, he's basically a shoe in for 2024 in Paris. That's what they say. Awesome. His times right now are, are that he's going to, he should qualify for Paris swimming. So that's amazing. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, let's get into uh player association. We end the uh, podcast. You know what? And I was really disappointed at the beginning of this. Normally, you used to do those quick, quick pitches? pitches where you, you know, what, what would Hope you rather he... be an elephant with a stuffy nose or a crab <laughs> with a sore throat and all these weird questions well, that you throw out to people? <laughs> That's kind I of was, my fault. I was so, Sorry. I, I studied for that. I was like, you know. <laughs> Hope he, hope he got me off of those because he was giving me the gears about the questions. Oh, dude, those were the best. Shit, we'll have to go back then, I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, just because I say so, you have to. Uh, All right. I yeah. wanted to hear some of the Nick McCurry answers. That's what I wanted well, to hear. We, fi- we figured with Nick, we might have been there for four hours, so we were trying yeah. to. Oh, with uh, the Southern draw, and he would have thought about it. And, yeah. He's a beauty. That would have been great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yep, we're going to get into player association with you. You know it. You've heard it. I'm ready. Throw out some names, and uh, here we go. First one, Ty Stofflet. Well, I mean, um, there's 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 a couple of pitchers in the world that that I looked up to as as though they were beyond human. Zach was one of them. Jimmy Moore was one of them. Mike White was one of them. Stofflet was in that category too, and and he's also up there as one of the all-time great gentlemen of the game too like like there's nobody that says a bad word about darren zach there's nobody that could say a bad word about darren zach he's the coolest guy in the world mm. and stofflet was was that generation's darren zach both wow. on the field and off the field well, he was a lot he had sick. yeah he had time for everybody he, he wouldn't big time you if somebody else walked by he kept the conversation with you and would answer all your questions and and he spent a lot more time with me than i deserve that's for sure wow that's nice. awesome uh, guy, you know, well, Peter Meredith, well, you know what they say? You don't ever want to meet your heroes. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, Pete, Pete and I, I, I have kind of a, a unique relationship with Pete, um, both because I played with and against him, And, um, he's one of the most brutally honest people in the world. And, and I, I, I can tell you in 96, when I was having real bad pains in my knee and I was really struggling pitching and I, I was just awful. I remember Dewey Dyke was in the dugout and he was spraying his hand down with stick them. And I, I said, uh, I said, man, I don't know how you pitch with that stuff on your hand. And Pete looked at me and he said, maybe you should start. <laughs> totally blew my world up. He totally blew my world up. And, and, um, no, I mean, he's, he, you know, from a, it was, it was unbelievable getting to play with him because he, for my 16th birthday, my brother drove me to Elkhart, Indiana to watch him pitch for trans air. And I got to pitch him. I got to watch him pitch against Decatur that night. And it was like seven 30 at night. The lights were coming on. And if, if you would have told me he was throwing 150 miles an hour, I would have believed it. I wow. mean, he threw that hard and it was just unbelievable. 
and um, to watch those two teams play against each other. And, and Pete, he won two to nothing. They, they hit a home run off David Scott and they won. But uh-huh. I couldn't believe that anybody was putting bat the ball to what he was throwing. But uh, he, he's just a remarkable, he was a remarkable pitcher. And I know he's doing a, a great job at BYU coaching. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've had a really good relationship with Pete on and off the field. I, I've had Easter dinner at his house and I, and I know his wife really well. And I miss getting to see him more often than I, than I do now. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I used to get to see him a lot and I miss that. Right on. Uh, next one. I actually didn't know you got to play with, play with him as a 14 year old, but Travis Wilson. <laughs> Probably the most sarcastic person that you'd ever meet in your life i mean (laughs) sometimes i feel like sheldon from the big bang theory around travis because i he's so sarcastic and you don't know when he's being sarcastic sometimes and (laughs) um yeah you know he 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 he, to take what he's done in in the world of sport and transfer it over into coaching with with florida state has been a a remarkable thing to see Mm -hmm. he's a he you know he didn't go to college himself to you know um and that's that's a big deal because here in the U.S., for a lot of the colleges, you have to have a degree to, to be able to be a coach. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're a pitching coach or a hitting coach. You have to have a college degree, and it could be in basket weaving. They don't care, but they want you to have a college degree, and, and Florida State doesn't require that. And and Travis, for for not having gone to college, is is still one of the smartest people that I, I can tell you that I know. I mean, he is a really, really smart guy and he was one of the most dangerous hitters that you'd ever see. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could look awful at one, one at bat and then the next at bat, he'd hit one 400 feet. So, you know, he, he was a great teammate to be around because he just always kept things light. And I I sound like I'm talking about him like he's dead. I don't mean to talk about him like (laughs) he's dead, like he's gone, but, um, you know, I'm speaking in the past from, from our playing days. He he was just a, a great guy and he came from a really great family too. Right on. I got to know his family the first year I was in New Zealand. So, you know, he, he, uh, you know, had a, had a great upbringing. So great guy. Yeah. He's definitely doing well for himself, Florida state. Um, you got to get him on. I know, but he was just on, he was just on with the boys down beyond the dugout with uh, chopper and, and Damien there. So yeah, uh, I definitely, I, I've sent Travis a, a couple messages and we've been talking back and forth. Is, so. it, is it hard because they're college coaches? Is that kind yeah. of the, the problem? Yeah. I've been having a, a little bit of a time with that. I, you know, there's a couple, I have to go through, uh, you know, uh, people in the, in the sports department stuff. And yeah, a lot of yeah. like, like they'll tell me that, you know, they'd love to come on, but I got to go through them. And sometimes I'm like, yeah. I'm not getting responses back from the athletic department. You know what I mean? So well, now, now is the time. I mean, as we record this yes. December 1st, now's the time to do it because they're basically on shutdown now until they come back from Christmas. Exactly. So exactly. Th- there's very little that they're allowed to do except maybe go to the compliance department and say, Hey, can I go on this podcast? Yeah. And, um, so they're probably looking for things to do. So now would be a really good time. I have a list of names for you, man. People oh. that I think you got to interview. <laughs> I know. You guys do I know such we'll a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. And I know you have a little bit of history with them is, uh, Nikki Shales. Oh yeah. Um, well, you know, as, as I might, I think I told you, Randy, I mean, you know, Adam and Nick, they lived with me for a couple of summers. I mean, I was on the gremlins there were with Jarvis and, you know, and then the Hill and we were, you know, arch enemies on, on the field. And, and then they lived with me for a couple of summers in Erie. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was really, really cool. Cause we, we kind of had this Chinese wall between us where we didn't really talk about 
things that happened on the field or games or anything too specific, but we would talk about softball. And I remember asking Adam about his no hitter against New Zealand. And it was kind of neat hearing him regale those stories, but you know, shales would, he was, he is such a good softball player that he would, he would play in our league or our games in Erie and, and he would bat right-handed and then he bat left-handed and then he'd go out and pitch and he could strike everybody out pitching too. He, he, he was, he's just an unbelievable talent. And um, I'm not saying he was a pitcher like Adam or like Sean clear or anything, but he, he's a pretty good pitcher, man. Yeah. So it was a, an unbelievable changeup. And, um, I know he comes from a, a, a long history of softball family. He's got fan, softball in his family and, uh, you know, and he also has that baseball background too, but my God, that the, he is one of the most talented ball players I've ever seen. Cause he can do anything he wants to on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, hope you know at any level, <laughs> at any level, Yeah, you know, he's I mean, it doesn't player. matter if he's batting off Sean Cleary or if he's batting off, you know, some bum in the Erie city rec league, he, he's, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants against anybody. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. And so, and, and such an awesome guy. I mean, I would, yeah. I, I just think the world of him. And then, you know, I got to know his wife, Jen, before they were even married, she was staying with us too. And, and so, I mean, I basically had the, the United States or the, United Nations embassy there at one point. I had Denmark <laughs> players, New Zealand players and Australians and everything at my house. That's so, sad. but yeah, shells is one of my favorites and, and, uh, I would do anything for him. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Billy, we got to thank you for coming on, man. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're an encyclopedia for the game. So I, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely, yeah, I told you I was screaming at the radio when I was listening to the Nick cause he couldn't oh, remember yeah, years right. in tournaments and I'm sitting there going, I remember that. I know that year. I knew yeah. that. that was Decatur, 1988, almost an 87. And I was, you know, and, and yeah. so, but you guys, what you guys have started with this podcast is remarkable. And, and it's just picked up steam. And, and I mean, the, the guests that you've had on and the interviews that you guys are doing and the promotion that you're doing for the Jordan is spectacular. And, Thank and, you. uh, like I told you, you know, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel after an interview me, that must mean somebody else isn't available. No, but, uh, <laughs> not at all. You, know, you, no. you guys, you guys are doing awesome with what you're doing. And, and I'm really happy to, to help any way I can with getting you phone numbers or emails or anything like that. Cause, cause the, what you guys are doing, telling the stories of the game is, is just so important. And, and there's, you know, people like me that, that just was, I'm listening to it. I, oh, I remember that. I remember that guy. Yeah, and, yeah. and it just takes me back a whole nother place as I listen to them. So, awesome. you know, what you're doing for me, you're doing for everybody. And, and, and I really, I thank you. So awesome. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate that. Thanks guys. All right, Appreciate man. It. Take care. Take care. We'll, All right, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking <laughs> for sure. All right, buddy. All right. Take care, Take care guys. Thanks. Hey. You too. Bye. Awesome, guy. man. Yeah. Great yeah. guy. Encyclopedia. Like I said, yeah, I mean, we definitely have to use them. Oh for yeah. Sure. 100%, 100%. I think it us a lot. Yeah. I mean, sure. I'm sure. Oh, I just, I don't care. I just got unplugged, but uh, you can still hear me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we probably definitely could have talked another two hours. Like, I mean, except he, it's getting close to bedtime. No, right? I know, but I mean, he, he, <laughs> I know what you mean. Man, no, yeah. he's, he's been through God quite yeah. a bit in the game and he, has. and he knows a lot of, a lot of people and it, man, it's, I, 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 that was a fun one for me. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. The guy is an encyclopedia. Uh, you're trying to plug your goddamn headphones know, in. Man, is this your first time doing a podcast? Man, or? I went on. Where am I at? You're fucked. Talk for a second, would you? I'm trying to talk, but I'm watching you make an ass of yourself. <laughs> All right. I think I got it. Here we go. We're back. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
it was a pleasure having him on for sure. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention to him that I did play against him in that fucking tournament. Shit, we talked about it in the intro. Anyway, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Can, he wouldn't remember me anyway, although I oh. hit a home run off him, but anyway, it's fine. And you're the, you're, <laughs> you're the guy that shit your pants. And I shit my pants. <laughs> um, Christmas season's coming up. Yes. So uh, if you need a drive, please call and get one. No drinking or driving. Yes. Be safe out there. If you're gonna, if you're gonna drink, don't drive. Yeah. Call and get a cab. Call get an Uber. Cab. Get a cab. Get or whatever. An Uber. You can, we can't get, get a Uber lift here. But get a lift. Fine. So we have uh, another one coming up on Thursday. You said, Randy, or this two week, days, I guess, in two days. It's yeah. going to be two days from now. And we tried before. He better not lose his goddamn phone again. Shane Hunu. Shane Hunu. Yeah, looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, like I said, if you watch Fast Pitch, the movie. You know who Shane is. Yeah. I mean, Nick McCurry talked about him. Says, yeah. he's, says he's beauty. I've had a couple of friends actually mention to me that they didn't even know about the fast, the movie Fast Pitch until they listened to our podcast. Shut up. And they've watched it and they loved it. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's amazing. Man. Does I wonder if, uh, is it Jeremy? The, Jeremy Spear. I wonder if he gets royalties off of uh, when it's played over and over and over again on YouTube. Well, I don't know. I don't know I'll either. ask him. He's coming on yeah. mid-December, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Def- definitely ask him that. Yeah. Okay. Another week. Yeah. People, subscribe, hit like. I don't know. What yeah. else? Stay safe. Follow. Um, wash your hands. <laughs> oh, by the way, since uh, this is coming out December, we're ending every December podcast with Classified's Christmas song, which oh, is good. so awesome. Yeah. So. Luke just played, actually. Uh, they had a concert in Halifax. That's right. And my whole family went. I couldn't go because my wife was at a dance competition and uh, I, I wasn't going by myself. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it was unbelievable. My sister-in-laws both went. My brother-in-laws both went. One of my brother-in-laws doesn't remember a thing about it because he got so drunk. That he, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't remember anything, but he's a tit. Yeah. But anyway, they said it was absolutely amazing. Oh, I saw Just the, to have all the people together. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I saw the footage that Luke put out. Yeah. And I can only imagine how pumped he was to, to get back out there. They did such a great job. Oh, he always does. Yeah. Yeah. He's such an ambassador just to everything yep. that is Canadian. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Like the guy is amazing. He's yeah. so talented and gives back and just, I uh, mean, I love the guy. And he's got a new book. Anybody yeah. who wants a good read, go out and get his book because I guarantee you, you're going to read some stuff and, and you're going to be like, Do you wow. know what it's called, Randy? It is called, you tell me. What's it called? I don't know what it's called, I Randy. <laughs> Man, I forget. That's classified. Sorry, I can't tell you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good one. Damn. Good one. But now, actually, I think the other day he put out like a little clip from it, like reading it, and it was awesome. Like stuff yeah. he was talking about. You're trying to look it up? Yeah, you can edit this fucking shit. No, I'm not editing. It's called Off the Beat yes. and Path. Off the Beaten Path. So anybody yeah. wants a good read, go get Classifieds Off the Beaten Path. I'm sure you'll definitely like it. Yes. Anyway, Hopi. Okay, buddy. See you in fucking two days. All right, buddy. Take care. Classified. All right, kids. Time to get in bed. Santa's coming soon. Okay. Can you read a book? All right, just one story, all right? Here we go. On the night, so silent night. Stay by the fire, baby. It's so cold outside. Tis the season. It's snow. Grab the decoration.
patience Don't forget tradition Baby, it's cold outside, you need to get your mittens Hang the mistletoe and write your Christmas wishes It's better to give than receive, show the kids the difference Cause this year, this year has been a tough one I'm just trying to celebrate and spend it with my loved ones Spread some cheer, pour in festive beer I appreciate the blessings I was blessed with here Uncle Chris and Aunt Leah reminiscing on the front porch Little Tay Tay trying to build another snow fort uh, I hear the church bells ringing I'll be there Christmas Eve with my family all singing Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah uh, uh, I said we be all singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah uh, uh, I'm saying, I'm Well, I'll be ready with the lights on. Got the decorations up. It's taking me all night long. Log on the fire. Put on my ugly sweater. The children are... Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.